Hello, everyone, and welcome to Real AI Now, a podcast about the real applications of AI in business, brought to you by Two Impulse. My name is Mark, and I'm the product manager at Two Impulse, and I'm your host of today's show. Today, this episode is going to be about um, simulation and supply chain management and AI in that uh, context. Before I introduce our guest, I would like to ask you to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a like for this episode if you like it. Um, this channel is available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and you will find the links in the description below. So today we have an incredible guest joining us. He's an industrial engineer with over eight years of experience in supply chain management, specializing in network design, facility location, resource planning, simulation, and many more interesting topics around um, simulation. Yasha Amadov also plays close attention to the way you can deploy models at scale, which are usable by stakeholders. He has experience in cloud systems and in creating descalable solutions. And he's using algorithms uh, that provide results within reasonable time frame, making him a true innovator. So it's a pleasure to have you today, Yasha. Welcome. Thank you. And likewise. Yeah. So Yasha, as an expert in simulation and mathematical optimization, what is simulation and why is it important in supply chain management? Well, first of all, we need to define a simulation. Simulation refers to a broad collection of methods and applications to mimic the behavior of real systems, mm -hmm. usually on a computer with appropriate software. So this is the official definition. In simple words, we are building the digital version or digital twin of the real life processes. And the underlying process can be anything like with tangible outputs or intangible outputs like in the service industry, in consulting, banking, mm -hmm. and others. But it is more famous for its applications in the manufacturing industry especially uh, the, the processes that happen after the order is placed and until it's delivered. Uh, this, this, these processes are covered in simulations and it adds value for doing what-if analysis. So let's say you have a manufacturing plant and you have three machinery um, located there on the shop floor. Now you're exploring if I want to put fourth machine, how is it going to impact my production system? Uh, in, in theory, you can get a certain amount of throughput increase uh, mm -hmm. or efficiency improvement, but in real life, these uh, systems, they work together with others and they interact with each other. And there can be uh, processes that are linked to each other and very difficult to see it beforehand. This is where simulation comes into the play. Uh, in reality, if you want to simulate it, you need to go buy that expensive machine, put it there and see how it works. But this mm -hmm. allows you to do it in a computer environment, in a virtual environment. And if designed correctly, they can give you an accuracy of over 90%. And once you have built that, you can change a lot of factors uh, not only equipment, uh, you can redesign your supply chain. So supply chain is all the path that a product takes from its supplier to an end customer. And that's why it's called supply chain. 
And there are many players in this industry. You're not alone. You only optimizing within your walls might not be enough for the global uh, benefit of the supply chain. So this digital twin would contain, so, so you mentioned digital twin would contain a holistic view on not just your factory or plant, but beyond that, right? Exactly, exactly. So if you are, uh, if you have a supply chain that part of your raw materials come from another country, let's say uh, from China, mm -hmm. and let's say you have uh, customers in North America, and you have productions in um, in Europe, in North Africa, you know, this is a global supply chain. And we need something uh, more scientific to manage this complexity. And especially given the disruptions nowadays, especially the things that started after the COVID-19 pandemic, all these uh, bring the industry to one conclusion. It is, there is a better way of forecasting. Instead of trying to forecast what my next year gonna look like, mm -hmm. the, the smarter companies do scenario planning. What if these disruptions happen with a high probability? What if certain things happen with mid probability? What if um, certain risks happen with lower probability? You can prepare yourself for these scenarios by using uh, the simulation models. Yeah. This so is this is something, mm -hmm. yeah. sorry, I want to pick on this. So, uh, I mean, failure modes and effects analysis, right, is probably a method which is um, known to, to, uh, to most, right? And it's also one which has been around. What has, what has changed? Because this sounds very, similar to what has always been around. What, what is the, the novelty? What, what do you consider the, 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 the change? Yeah, um, so this main, most of the simulation models allow stochastic modeling. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in that's different from uh, several optimization algorithms, uh, several different software. Here you can, pro you can define a distribution Instead of saying that I will receive an order on ten, on, of 10,000 pieces, you say my order is going to be distributed with mean 10,000 with a standard deviation of 2,000. And these simulations are able to run parallelly and give you a, a lot of uh, replications. And as a result, it can give you, uh, let's say better uh, or more robust approach uh, into the problem. So as you said, these problems have been around for, for quite some time and uh, there are many different uh, types of modeling or companies um, cracking their head on, on these problems. But the novelty is again, uh, first the complexity that it is able to model. Secondly, the stochasticity or allowing all aspects of, uh, of the model to be stochastic or probabilistic being able to run thousands of replications in a, a short period of time, uh, this gives a much better view uh, than using a deterministic method. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, what I'm curious about, I mean, the topic of this uh, podcast is real AI application. Now AI is also changing a bit the, the simulation landscape. What is, or, or how do you see AI changing the way simulation is being done nowadays? I'm also a big uh, fan, also a big believer on the potential of AI. And mm -hmm. I think that 
more than 90% of the things that we do today will sooner or later be replaced by AI. Um, as someone also who have worked with the neural networks, even during student times, to better understand the neural networks, um, mm -hmm. our teachers were giving us exercises to solve it by hand. And when you do it, when you go into details of the beauty of the math, uh, I came to conclusion that there is ultimately very little thing that this modeling uh, AI cannot do. Of course, now uh, it's not in perfect shape. It's just starting. Uh, there are concerns which uh, are also relevant, but affecting the world of simulations, I think, uh, for now, the usage is you can ask uh, ChatGPT about software, uh, especially when you're modeling complex systems. You can ask for ideas. You can ask for code snippets uh, mm -hmm. with the release of GPT-4. It can give uh, pretty good uh, direction to you to, to move forward in this type of, of modeling. Um, for now, the, the usage is like, is like that. The software that I'm using, they release a special edition saying that how can you use uh, ChatGPT for optimizing uh, your coding. Uh, you can release or reduce your uh, development time a lot. You can reduce it by 30%, 50%, you know, before you need to, you need to search on Stack Overflow. But now with one shot, it's giving you the answers. So for now, this is the impact reducing the uh, tedious or repetitive work. But as we move forward, I believe that these models would be able to model the complexity in, in, in simulations uh, without human intervention. But we are still not yet there because uh, when, when, when I get the requirements for building a model, usually it is um, not very clear uh, Probably the stakeholder or the customer does not uh, does not know either, or uh, there are some problems that popping up as you start doing the modeling. Uh, there are things that are related to the data part, also data analysis, engineering, reliability part. So these are thing, the things that uh, AI models cannot do. But I'm not saying that it will stay like this forever. Uh, in the coming decades, we might be able to see AI models that can decipher uh, those ambiguous requirements and probably build uh, solutions. This is my view on the long-term development on this domain. Okay. So, so, so I'm chunking your reasoning a bit into pieces. So I think one thing really as a simulator, as a developer who is building simulation models, it can really help you accelerate your development, right? You generate code, you, you basically use it for, for troubleshooting or like uh, helping you be just more efficient. But on the other side, I mean, um, what comes to my mind, you mentioned what if analysis, right? So it helps you think of scenarios maybe you you didn't come up with or generate me, I don't know, 10 reasons this could go wrong or things consider. And uh, mm -hmm. I've done this a bit in, in requirements engineering and it always brings up these things, right? You don't come on the top of your mind, right? Which I oh, yeah, should have maybe also included this. So you, you're seeing mainly uh, AI as a way of helping you accelerate building simulations, but does it help you in kind of like running a simulation? Running the simulation is not the most difficult part. Um, 
because mm -hmm. once you clearly model uh, the things, it's just one click that you uh, click on the run button. And then um, the, the job does not finish once you get the results either. Uh, you need to start making sense of the result results. Is the model the doing the right thing? Uh, is the, these are two, two questions. Is the model doing the right thing? And is it doing things right? So two mm -hmm. questions. That is also difficult at the moment for humans. Um, but in the future, of course, these can also be um, one of the functionalities of AI to be able to determine those. So let's imagine I, I do own a factory. I already have simulations, um, but I'm not super happy about the results. Where would you introduce these methods? What are like kind of like the steps you would take in making um, improvements using this kind of technology? So how to optimize your supply chain, for instance? Yes. Uh, and do you mean uh, using AI for this purpose or in general, the simulation? Let's start with in general and then let's start how you would, uh, let's continue how you would do this with AI. Yes. So most of the simulation modeling software allow uh, integration with different types of applications, just mm -hmm. like you might have a Python script that is doing mathematical optimization for you. You can call it from within a simulation, uh, give it the inputs and then collect the outputs. Uh, these, these things are possible. Uh, potentially at some time in the coming years, it can be automated with the with these language models also. Um, but using AI is, is, is not very difficult in this case because it's easier to integrate for with outside uh, applications. We do it at the moment. We integrate it with uh, um, optimization algorithms. So uh, as I said, simulation, it, you, you tell the configuration and simulation will tell you if it's a good idea or bad idea. So simulation by itself is not going to optimize or is not going to tell you um, that the, the best way or the cheapest way is to buy 100 tons from this supplier, ship it via vessels to a port in Spain, and from there you take it by trucks to the, uh, the storage area. It doesn't tell you. The simulation um, doesn't do optimization. However, um, the, the, there is a possibility of integration and where I think the AI can, can come into play that in the course of simulation, you can make an API call to those, those models, ask questions like this is the situation right now inside the simulation because simulation has a time dimension. Let's say you are simulating one year and there is a situation there that you need to make a buy decision. You can call an API, uh, an AI model and ask, this is the situation, what is the best thing that I can do? Um, this is where I believe is the, is, it can come into play. Um, and, and in general, there are very strong um, optimization models developed throughout the last 50, 60 years. Also, uh, there is a big advancement in the reinforcement learning domain, oh, yeah. which is also uh, facilitating this process. Like you start a simulation, but simulation learns by itself by doing, making decisions. It buys it from an expensive supplier with low quality, gets a penalty. And in the next time it adjusts its behavior 
that I did this mistake in the past, now I should do something better. And you train this reinforcement learning, which mm -hmm. can by itself learn how to make the best decision. Yeah. So for our uh, listeners and viewers not familiar with reinforcement learning, it's a method in AI where you punish the agent if it does something bad and like give it credit or a bonus kind of in case it does something good and then lets it over time optimize for um, maximum kind of uh, bonus, so to say. Yeah. Um, so, so what you're describing to me, it sounds, um, I think, very exciting. So what you're saying is that there needs to be an orchestrator, there needs to be a flow who is able to use different, let's say, optimization or simulation pieces and put it together to fulfill uh, a certain a certain flow, a certain result. And then there can be learning in different steps of that process. Correct. Yeah, okay. It's an interesting thought because we had um, many discussions with clients who said, how can I use AI? How can I make use of it? I have this legacy things and how can I introduce AI in my processes? And one of the most important things I usually do see is that you need to have a flexible architecture. You need to be able to also make use of, of novel technology, which is there and try to avoid being stuck with your legacy or kind of like a vendor locked in solutions. Would you say that the movement um, around open source and flexibility, um, and for instance, we see um, platforms like Hugging Face, where you really open source AI models, is something also being picked up in the domain of, of simulation? simulation? Yes, um, simulation, although it's very exciting field, it has not become a hype throughout the last years, mm -hmm. uh, despite its huge impact or huge potential on the uh, businesses uh, from the cost saving perspective. It has not become uh, uh, that kind of hype that everybody is talking about it, writing about it. But um, of course, the simulation is also impacted by the developments in the bigger uh, picture that is changing mm -hmm. every aspect of the things that we do. Right now, uh, what the companies are trying to do in this domain, they are trying to get themselves updated with the, with the recent AI models and thinking about uh, potential uh, integration. Mm -hmm. But um, on, on the other side, there is no um, open source at the moment being published. There are a few, uh, but I want to make one clear distinction here. For simulation, there are some Python scripts or Java uh, packages that they call a simulation, there are such open source um, things. One was released very recently, um, but there it takes too much time to, to use that code. Uh, this, the best ones are uh, coming with ready-made uh, libraries that you can just drag and drop and you don't deal with the, with the backend of it, with the debugging the code that is underneath it. So it, com it hides some complexity uh, with, with that uh, by using ready-made blocks. You just see one, one visual low code, rectangle. No-code platforms. Yeah, uh, yeah no-code. It's low-code or no-code, this kind of thing. Uh, there are open source models for a full code, uh, which at the moment I don't see a huge potential 
due to the you know debugging and you know uh, you need to copy uh, the mm -hmm. code and then if something does not go well you have you don't have a, a big uh, um, platform like Stack Overflow to ask the questions. There are some some uh, open source things like this, but uh, moving forward, we might mm -hmm. see some some more advancements in in this yeah. field. If AI starts to penetrate into this field and get some share, uh, then we might see some changes in the behavior. Yeah. So it's very much platform driven, and you want to empower the users to do their simulations quickly and get together, and not waste time in I don't know writing yeah. glue code in, in patching Correct. everything together. Yeah. Okay. I'm willing to pay some money uh, just to not to deal with that debugging stuff. And uh, likewise, things many companies and others. Uh, if you if if I I need to pay uh, for a for a software that hides these problems for me, um, I would be more than happy because the financial impact of the improvement uh, models with the simulation is huge. Depending on what industry. Uh, what, how big is your revenue? Uh, even a small improvement project can easily justify um, that license uh, price. Then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that makes that makes perfect sense. So basically, innovating on the simulation and not spending time in, in running a platform, gluing everything together. So that's that's maybe an interesting point. So I wanted also to ask you um, what are common pitfalls when getting into simulation and modeling. Um, maybe we mentioned one, building your own platform, but what are other things which, which come to mind, which you can give as advice what to avoid? Yeah, so in simulation world, we have three different paradigms. One is called discrete event simulation or DES. Mm -hmm. These were developed some 30 years ago, and there are some software that provides only that type of simulation, and it worked well for quite a long time. Um, discrete event, as the name implies, uh, you give a certain configuration of the system and then the system schedules events. So mm -hmm. let's think of the logistics chain uh, based on the, the configuration you gave. It says at T is equal to zero, uh, a vessel will start moving from, uh, from a Chinese port to San Francisco, for example. At t is equal to five days, it will reach its destination. And then at t's time is equal to 5.5, it will reach uh, the warehouse. So it schedules events and just executes them at the end, tells you um, this, is, this is the outcome. So it started well, but there are nowadays this has um, scalability problems. The discrete event simulation simulations are harder to scale to more complexity or uh, bigger uh, supply chains because uh, due to its nature you will if you if you get another um, let's say manufacturer into picture you need to copy paste everything uh, below and, and and it takes a lot of time to to do this and then uh, what was released in some last five uh, eight years is called agent-based simulation which I prefer and I use it. Agent-based simulation is uh, simply um, the same thing as object-oriented programming versus functional programming. It's exactly the same thing. 
in agent-based simulation, you define a high-level agent, let's say a manufacturer. And under it, you can have 100 different manufacturers and uh, those 100 manufacturers need not to be the same. You can still de define different parameters, different sizes, capacities, location, latitude, longitude. But what it takes from you is you just create one um, main agent and inside you define the behavior of that agent. Likewise, every company would be one agent. They are just configured differently. Yeah. And then from the inputs, you give its uh, latitude, longitude information, its capacity, what products, and then um, several things like um, these simulation software had capability of um, geographic information systems like GIS. You give the location, it will read and you don't need to tell it, uh, this is the transit time, this is the road. It automatically takes it from OpenStreetMap provider and it again hides a lot of complexity for you. Um, for those who start a simulation, I would suggest to have a look at the agent-based simulation uh, because you, you start simple and it goes well with the same as discrete event simulation. But once you reach a certain threshold, you will feel that it's really difficult to scale those discrete event simulations and there is no way back because you have already spent a lot of time to uh, to build that model. But uh, to my opinion, till today that I've been working with the simulations uh, for, for my whole career, let's say eight years, um, there haven't been anything that I could not implement with these uh, agent-based simulations. So this is my first advice. Secondly, as it, this is the same for machine learning, optimization, any kind of modeling. First, try to understand the business problem before jumping into solution. That's very important. And we all talk about this. Any developers, 70% of the time goes under, for understanding the input data, cleaning it, becoming it, making it usable or um, consumable by the model. And this is true. Uh, you can aim for be to becoming a developer 100% of the time, but it's not going to be like that. You will still need to spend a lot of time uh, in the things uh, that, that are not directly related to the modeling. And it's better to first get um, good understanding of the problem, understand the data before promising anything to your customers. And then you can come up with proposal saying that uh, this is the approach we propose, but we have these difficulties uh, with the data and we will need, let's say, an extra one month to put this into a correct shape. So these are the major things that I would suggest. So the good advice of starting with really understanding the business problem and managing the expectations and getting it right for the client and then choosing the appropriate technology to, to simulate or to to, to yes. solve the problem, so to say. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's, it's one thing we also see a lot, right? So, this uh, jumping into solutions, technologies, frameworks, instead yeah. of really getting down to the problem and, and, and choosing right. the right the right tools, right? Yeah. And, and uh, the data yeah. is not clean, uh, ne never is clean. Um, if you jump into solution, you will understand that it's not working and then um, it's going to be a problem. Okay. Okay. So how do you see um, 
I mean, we spoke about simulations of uh, one factory, right, or one one plant. Then also including your suppliers and maybe vendors and like the full ecosystem. So building an end-to-end digital twin. How do you ensure visibility and transparency into all the different moving parts, right? Because the complexity is is exploding, right? You mentioned agent-based simulation. Anything yeah. more which helps in, in, in giving this um, transparency? Yeah, so network problems are usually uh, combinatorical optimization problems, which means that with the number of uh, players, it explodes. Let's say you have two suppliers, three manufacturers, and five customers. Then how many combinations you have? Two multiplied by three, multiplied by five. 30 possible combinations of shipping the products from origin to destination. But in real life cases, we have uh, much more yeah. echelons. Yeah, <laughs> thousands of potential suppliers, thousands of, of manufacturers, thousands of uh, wholesalers, thousands of um, the retailers. Um, the the combinatorics is is a big problem in this type of pro in this type of setups. But to tame uh, the combinatorical uh, problems. Uh, one can use certain abstractions. First of all, not all of those paths would make sense, right? There are certain things that uh, will not make sense because you know beforehand it's much more expensive. So the thing is you can eliminate uh, the useless ones oh, beforehand to, to reduce that complexity and feed it into, um, into your model. And uh, yeah, it's uh, all depends on what is the underlying software and where the bottleneck lies? Because sometimes you think that it's the combinatorics that is the problem, but at the end, the, the things that increase runtime are something else, it can happen. So I would suggest use a profiler, look where, uh, where is the bottleneck of your model, which loops or which computations take a lot of time. Uh, some unexpected things can happen because of the nature of the underlying programming language, uh, some mm -hmm. kind of uh, numerical uh, things that that things that don't come to your mind can happen. So use a profiler if you come to the conclusion that uh, the complexity comes from the fact that we have uh, exploding number of combinations. Then you can use some uh, strategies to reduce them into reasonable level, and also. Uh, during the course of simulations, you can tell the model um, the things that it, if it doesn't make sense, it can delete it out of the consideration. There is so also, is also oh, sorry for interrupting you. Um, yeah, so, so that again links to the point of like speak to the client what is really important because then you can discard some of these uh, edges from, from your graph, right? Which don't Correct. make sense. Correct. Yeah, and then you have one question here about what you find most fascinating. Mm -hmm. I want to respond to that one. Yes. Simulation yes. is one of the very few modeling types that allow visualization. And mm -hmm. throughout the course of my career, I have built 2D and 3D simulation models. And what's its benefit? It takes three minutes to, con to convey the message to your customer. They have a mm -hmm. problem, they don't know the root cause, and I was building um, 2D simulation models of uh, factories and their, their uh, conveyors, their equipment. I was modeling their uh, associates 
in a mm -hmm. 3D shape and then uh, making sure that it's doing the correct things. With just one click, uh, the management was sitting and then instead of making them go through your complex model, you just open the slide and just show that um, animation. Okay, here is your current structure. Um, if you do this, you will you see there is congestion and it's not working. You see these workers are uh, staying idle or the, there are upstream processes that are starving, mm -hmm. um, all kinds of problems. It takes two, three minutes to show that animation and convey the message. This is the explainability side that I like mm -hmm. about uh, simulation modeling. You can build an AI model. And as you might know, there are questions about the explainability of the models. Um, the, the more complex the model, it's hard, harder to explain, right? If you build a deep learning model, you do hyperparameter optimization and at, you, you deploy it. Now you give inputs and it's telling you the output. Uh, explaining it to a person that's not coming from a technical field, it's really difficult because mm -hmm. why is it producing this result? Just because um, in backpropagation, it's taking second, third derivatives of a complex mathematical function. And this uh, certain weight is the one that uh, reduces the total cost function. And people are like, okay, um, you know, there is this concern, which um, there are also some startups addressing the explainability of AI models, which mm -hmm. I find fascinating about simulation is that sometimes it can take just literally a few minutes to convey the message. So it's a bit, the picture says more than a thousand words, right? So like once yes. you you put it in front of the eyes of, of, of the audience, they say, okay, well, that can't work because everybody has to go through this bottleneck kind of yeah. Um, so, so I think this um, this is quite fascinating. What also fascinates me is a bit the possibility of also reverse engineering, right? So basically on on volume numbers, right? Like just making it transparent how how it looks like right now, right? And then um, this transparency really helps in saying, okay, well, this is this is what this is what what we need, right? Yeah. Okay. What 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 worries you? What scares you? Looking at AI technology and about the the possibilities which open up, but also the the risks uh, associated to it. Talking about general AI, I think this is also one of the hot topics nowadays. Um, people are divided into two different categories. Some say it's a threat for the future. Some say mm -hmm. it's an opportunity. I prefer to be on the or among the people who see this as an opportunity uh, to uh, make our lives better, more efficient, get rid of all the daunting and repetitive tasks that AI can do. Um, these are beautiful things and uh, looking to the future, it can um, already seem a good benefit, but I do share some of the worries about um, um, potential side effects of having AI models, you know, also the ethics uh, within the AI, uh, the legislation countries are deciding now what to do with AI, the development. Uh, yeah, it can have um, some kind of side effects. I, so I'm, I'm not that kind of people who believe that one day all uh, AI models will, will make a rebellion against humanity. 
Yeah, because um, first thing that makes me think about this is majority of the AI models will be just algorithms in the servers, right? It mm -hmm. will not be a physical, like, uh, you know, in the movies like Armageddon, uh, majority of them will be just an app in the phone or in a server or in a computer. Mm -hmm. And if if algorithm decides to do something against uh, humanity, you can just um, take the battery out or remove the uh, you know electricity. Um, the problem would be if you had uh, one billion metallic robots and all powered by AI, and after some point they get some sense of uh, you know unity or uh, try to do something against the people and the Hollywood, the the Hollywood that, way of, uh, of of depicting right the, yeah the they they have their own batteries and then you can't really they they um, make um, rifles or weapons that they don't uh, let you come closer to their energy source but this is I think a low probabilistic case. Nevertheless, mm -hmm. I think it needs to be studied, well-regulated uh, ethics and its impact on, on the things. Uh, if we do this, I think AI uh, will be a game changer in a positive way uh, for the coming decades. Mm -hmm. What do you think, getting back to, to simulation and getting back to the way how to optimize supply chains, um, we already spoke a bit about um, risk. What are the, the limitations of the current approaches? I mean, you mentioned compute, but that is kind of like covered with, um, let's say, ever more cloud computing. There's also the topic of, of, of quantum computing. Where do you see the limitations maybe? And where do you see the field moving with regard to methods and, and technology? I think technology-wise, we are in a good shape, especially with the cloud providers. We have access to, let's say, literally unlimited computing power. Um, I don't think that's the bottleneck right now. Of course, if you decide to scale the solution and try to make money out of it, it might be becoming expensive for you because cloud computing is great, but it's not cheap especially if you have a huge customer base. Yeah. Uh, that's not limitation, at least for the starting point, but uh, this type of modeling has its inherent limitations. And the first one is, uh, as I mentioned before, it, it does not uh, optimize the things or tell you which way is better um, in, the, in the current uh, phase. And if you want to find out what is the optimal decision to do, you, you might need to couple it with reinforcement learning or mathematical mm -hmm. optimization models, right? And secondly, as any type of modeling, uh, you need to, you can't model everything. Basically, you have a real life process, you need to abstract it and put a scope or boundary around it. Mm -hmm. And when you do this, you lose some accuracy versus the, the reality. And this you have to do because um, otherwise it becomes too complex. You can take every single um, detail in the picture. And these are the main things that I see um, as issues for now. How do you see the paradigm? I'm getting back to, to quantum computing. And for instance, let's take the traveling salesman problem, right? Something which is uh, NP hard nowadays. Do yeah. you see quantum computing? Will we see it in, I don't know, a decade or so being um, say usable in simulation. What are your thoughts about this this way of new way of compute? 
Yeah, yeah. I also think that um, quantum computing can be used as a backend uh, for computation that can make your analysis faster, uh, maybe a little bit cheaper. I see the potential in, in, in that way. I think it's already integratable uh, with the available cloud services. You just go and buy um, that service and then you can start running your models there. Uh, it's again, cost versus benefit topic. Mm -hmm. uh, if the problem that you are solving is uh, around, uh, let's say it involves 100,000 euros of uh, total uh, value, then it might not make sense to spend a lot of money on that. But if you are solving a huge problem with billion euro impact, then why not? Yeah. 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 So what um, I mean, so we spoke a bit about the field of a field of simulation also touched upon AI. Now there is a, a huge hype and energy around the topic, right? Like many people are fascinated by what's feasible, some are scared. What would you advise um, a youngster, and I guess career advice who wants to get into the topic of, of simulation and potentially AI? What would you recommend they should study, they should look into what's important, what's not? Yeah, I think um, there are some subjects that need to be obligatory in, in uh, uh, primary schools or starting from primary schools. I think uh, the coding, programming, uh, children should start get sense of this because um, in, in a very near future, many uh, jobs will be wiped out and uh, the, the people who have the coding abilities who are able to, let's say, upskill themselves will, will survive. Mm -hmm. So I think in order to start for simulation, it, it is a multidisciplinary um, subject. You need to have uh, coding knowledge uh, in Java or Python. Then, um, for example, me, I come from industrial engineering background where we mm -hmm. studied um, uh, supply chains, all um, the, the topics that have their basis in statistics. I think mm -hmm. statistics yeah. is the uh, second key uh, topic that's a foundation of AI and machine learning. Uh, I would suggest to be very good at uh, statistics and probability theory. Um, and, and then um, at the universities, you can take different courses to specialize in uh, uh, different fields because Nowadays, um, we need specialization because at, let's say 10 years ago, a data scientist, they would hire in banks, in uh, logistics industry, manufacturing mm -hmm. service industry. Now they are looking for specialized experience. Data science, yes, but in which field have you applied this? So it's better also to select some specialization Mm -hmm. to think about it will you go for what what makes you excited is it uh, uh, you know the the manufacturing plant that uh, bmw has with all the cars and um you know the robots and uh, mm -hmm. warehouse management is this what is exciting you or is it service industry maybe uh, healthcare there are also plenty of people who are interested in applying these knowledge in healthcare because um and it gives uh, further, let's say, job satisfaction because your job improves people's lives, right? You in hospitals, 
Mm -hmm. uh, people come with health issues or elderly people, if you are able to reduce their burden or waiting time for even some minutes, you are doing good for the people, right? Uh, to find your passion, uh, which way you want to go and try to learn that broader subject in the context of that uh, industry. And uh, hands-on experience is always important as mm -hmm. everywhere. And yeah. there are plenty of data out there um, or by doing internships or getting to companies and getting your hands dirty. This is the most important thing. So really getting your learning in various areas and then specialize in one domain or industry you find you find your passion passionate. Yeah. Yes, I think those are excellent final words. So I want I want to thank you for this this interesting exchange, a lot of insights into AI and uh, supply chain and and simulation. Many thanks for for being my guest today. Thank you. Thanks to you, Mark and uh, Sergio, uh, to yeah. whole team. Uh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much, Yasha. Then also to our uh, listeners and viewers. I would like to um, also thank you for listening in. If you like this episode, please give us a thumbs up and you can find our channel on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And for today, thank you very much for uh, being here, Yasha, and thanks for listening in. Thank you.